Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Creative Control with Vish Hello! On this episode, five members of Constantine. Stephen Lamke, Doug McGregor, Dallas Worley, Will Kidman, and Bri Webb are all on the show to talk about their band and why they've reconvened. Maybe not so much. I don't even know what we talked about. We mostly just went into our shared history because we have a long history together. We grew up together. So it's mostly talking about that. I asked them kind of like segment questions about things they have feared, things they found absurd. You know, we talked a little bit about the future. Brian and I mostly talked about the future. They, you know, they were away and now they're back, and it's great. They're playing a bunch of shows this this summer. They're playing at Sappy Fest in Sackville, the Peterborough Folk Festival, the Arboretum Festival. They're opening up uh, an arcade fire show at the Molson Canadian Amphitheater in Toronto. They're playing the Danforth Music Hall on October second. They're playing in Montreal, at Club Soda in October, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver. They're playing some shows. Their album, Shine a Light, was just reissued by Sub Pop. I mean, things are happening. And it was fun. It was fun to talk to them. They're my friends. And it was great to spend time with them. I paired them up as much as you can pair up five people. So first you're going to hear Steve and Doug, and then Dallas and Will, and then finally Bri on his own. And you're going to hear Constantine's songs on this show as well. So if you're unfamiliar with the band, you'll get a flavor for them on this episode. This is a good one. I'm proud of it. Have a listen. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Bell, The Grand Seduction, Seven Samurai, Tracks, and more. The Bookshelf is an independently owned culture hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph, Ontario. Visit bookshelf.ca for more information. Thank you. 
So I wanted to ask you and uh, Doug and Steve here about the most absurd circumstance that you can think of off the top of your head that the Constantines have ever been in. And because I imagine there have been some stories that people don't know. Can you can you speak to that, Doug? Uh, well, in retrospect, it was pretty cool, but at the time it seemed really absurd. It was probably ending up on the, is it 2004, ending up on the Palais Royale stage, doing Keep on Rocking in the Free World with Jack Layton and Olivia Chow and Stephen Page of the Bare Naked Ladies, and then the guy who plays bass just ran up, from Bare Naked Ladies ran up tambourine, and I remember looking around thinking, like, how did we get here? That is fairly absurd, but uh, were they fans? Did you know if Jack and Olivia were fans that ever come, come across? Yeah, I, I don't think so, probably. I'd like to say they were huge fans, but I don't know, I don't know that to be true. <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't know. Okay. We said... We said uh, there was conditions being thrown around on the show, which were the Sadie said that they would play if we would play the show. This is how I remember it. Doug will yeah. perhaps correct me. Yeah. So that we were told that, and so the idea of conditions were introduced into the dialogue. So we returned with the condition that we would play the show if Jack sang Rock in the Free World with us. Jack and Olivia, I guess. I can't remember. It was just asked. Jack. It was, okay. We're, we're kind of kidding. Uh, it sounds like a dare. <laughs> yeah, well, it was kind of a dare. we were in the middle of a six-week tour rolling into San Diego, and we got asked. And then immediately, um, Dallas Good calls Dallas Worley. He's like, we got this offer. We said we'd do it if you'd do it. And we said, well, okay, we'll do it. And then we called back and said, we'll do it if Jack Layton does Keep on Rocking in the Free World. And it was like the end of a tour, and we're going to have to come back from Ottawa and play the Palais Rail in Toronto. And what happened was, uh, I think, a, it was supposed to be just NDP Supports the Arts. And it was set on a Sunday night. And what happened was while we were gone, the government fell and it became the de facto kick, kickstart of a campaign. Right, right. And we got a call in Ottawa the day before that said, Jack's going to do it, but if Olivia can come too. And we're like, okay. There's and a lot of like, conditions on this deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like, okay, now we got to learn Politics, this. Politics, you know. <laughs> we got to learn this song. And we get there, and some, uh, I forget, some woman organizer. I, we didn't have to learn this song. We knew this song. No, I did. Well, I had to learn this song. <laughs> Uh, but it's kind of funny. Is it, is it a difficult song to play on the drums? No, it's not difficult. But um, but the thing is, we're laughing. We're reading the lyrics, and we're like, this is kind of an NDP platform set to rock music. But also, at the event, some organizer comes out and says that they're nervous. And would I mind if would we mind if their friend Stephen Page came up? And I'm thinking, Stephen Page, that's got to be an MP that like <laughs> that is escaping me, right? You know, you know, like. Or did you think they said Stephen the Page? Like from like, you know... The no, no, no. I just I just didn't put two and two together. And then I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I'm like, I know that name. And I'm like, oh, God, it's it's the one week guy. <laughs> they had other songs. The Bare Naked Ladies had other songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Were you ever a fan but of we Bare Naked Ladies? What? Were you ever a fan of Bare Naked Ladies? I can't say I was. Did you Did you have the yellow tape when you were younger? No, I didn't have it. But I do think that's a good Bruce Coburn cover for sure. The yeah. Lovers in Dangerous Time. They do a good version of that. Oh, yeah, that's sure. a great one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And I just read, uh, not too long ago, I read Olivia Chow's memoir. And uh, I had sort of vague notions of it, but Jack Layton was actually a very musical guy. Mm-hmm. And he played all the time. Music was really important mm-hmm. to him. Did you guys know that before any of these uh, circumstances unfolded? I don't remember. I don't think I knew that, no. But I know we have mutual friends like... Um uh, he would hang out, or uh, our friend uh, Christian from Sea Snakes has stories about hanging out with his son 
growing up. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were pals. I didn't know that. I, I think it was Christian told me that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Have the Constantines ever been in danger? You used to do a lot of traveling, and uh, there's sometimes there's that is an inherently dangerous proposition, getting in the van, getting on the road, getting on airplanes. Or uh-huh. has that ever been a, an issue for your band in any circumstance? Did you ever feel unsafe? Well, I think we always chose to travel to the prairies through northern Ontario right during after the melt, which is probably a pretty deadly time, like if you're driving at night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That doesn't sound good. Um, I think the freak hailstorm at Sasquatch Festival. Yeah. That which was is good. on YouTube. That was very, that was dangerous. It seemed like you guys really rose to that occasion. Like at, at one point, Will climbing scaffolding on the stage, like egging on the danger. It was exciting. That was a powerful moment. You didn't even think about uh, the danger until it was done. Because, like, the back of the stage was open, so I was getting pelted. And the roof was metal or tin or something, aluminum. And um, so at points, the, it was coming down so hard, it was hard to hear what was going on on stage. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it was just a total adrenaline rush, particularly when you're playing in front of a bunch of people. And then all of a sudden, a sub-desert atmosphere becomes a hailstorm well at one point Bri and I, I know it sounds like I'm intimately familiar with this YouTube clip but I did watch it recently uh, at one point Bri's just like bring it on like he's just like <laughs> it seemed like you were reveling in that because the crowd's going bonkers too like they're kind of loving and it. running for cover oh okay I didn't simultaneously see, didn't yeah. see that part I remember looking out and they were flipping up picnic tables in the direction that the hail was coming and kind of peeking out behind of it and pumping their fists in the air right right <laughs> yeah no it's good that's, that might be a testament to your music. The fact that these people... did they Because you're playing a festival, too. It wasn't necessarily your crowd. To be able to turn on, you know, to get people who may not even know your band into it, that must have uh-huh. been a really cool cool feeling. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was kind of like a feedback loop where if, like we kept going and they kept going. Yeah. It kind of became this thing where as if... Like, Which we, is what happens in a good rock show, and I would count that as a good rock show. It was, in retrospect, perhaps dangerous. It was very dangerous. <laughs> for yeah. sure, but... Uh, my memory of it is not the danger. It's of like I think that's one of the greatest shows we ever played. We only played about three or four songs. Uh, yeah, think. the PA Blue. So oh, okay, yeah, the clip on YouTube's got Young Lions and working full time. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We only got through about four songs. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's amazing. Half the set on YouTube. What yeah. a world we live in. It's amazing. Yeah. Now this is a significant spot for at least me and Steve. Uh, me and Steve would come to this place where we're just outside of Paul's Boutique. Uh, in Toronto and Kensington Market, and we used to come here for Who's Emma shows. True. Yeah, and uh, Doug, I don't know, did you come to shows here? Yeah, I was looking up for footage of shows here recently. And, and you were looking up? Yeah, I was looking on YouTube to see if there was, oh. uh, and there's a couple, and there was one I was at, so I was kind of like seeing how dorky I looked, but I couldn't see myself. In the, it's um, good, good, clean, fun, and I think Iyer played, but it's just good, clean, good, clean, fun footage. Good, clean, fun footage? Yeah, from the basement of... Uh, who's Emma here? Right, yeah. and and uh, do you remember anyone we would have seen here? I know it's like a blur, but I remember like I we played here in Captain we, Copilot. We did play here. I don't remember with whom. Mike put on the show. We talked about this recently. Mike put on the show, but maybe you would remember who we played. Mike from Fucked Up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like it was Endgame from Ottawa, but I could be confusing shows. Yeah. Does that sound right to you? Well, I we did play with them. Yeah, but we we saw them too a bunch. I think. Yeah. I think I, I remember seeing Inhumanity here in the basement down here. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I only saw them in Guelph, Inhumanity. Okay. I can't remember who I saw here. I did see shows here. Sleepy Time Trio? Maybe, but I only remember seeing them in Guelph as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. And an earlier tour. 
they were like one of the first like hardcore shows I saw at Ten Ontario Street, I think. Oh, that's right. They would have played there. Maybe I'm thinking. Uh, oh, Engine Down played here, which I think was like an offshoot. Now we're just talking about obscure yeah, punk bands. Yeah. That was a follow-up band, I think, with a bunch of the same people. I think. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I, well, it's it's kind of uh, first Maximilian Colby, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Let's talk more about the '90s. So, uh, well, the Monica Lewinsky. Eh? <laughs> what an affair that was, eh? That Monica Lewinsky with the dress and the president. You remember that, Steve? <laughs> Cigars. I, I believe that one time uh, Hillary Clinton approached Bill Clinton and yelled, "Who's Emma?" Uh, how's that? That's that's a good infidelity joke. <laughs> no, no one likes that one. All right, fine. I thought that was a good one. Um, no, we are actually going to take a little trip down memory lane while I have you here. Um, Steve and I just did a long-form interview about You've Changed Records, and we didn't really get into how we met or how we got into music, which sometimes I do on the show. And, Doug, I, I kind of want to, having just said that, Steve, you and I will talk in just a moment, and maybe we can all talk about our shared adolescence in some way. But, um, Doug, can you talk, first of all, about how you first got into music? Because... You are rather enigmatic. You are one of my favorite drummers, but I and I know little bits just because you know we've been in the same many of the same rooms over the last twenty years. But can you talk a little bit about what got you into into playing? In all honesty, it's probably the Metallica One video. The video. The video. Well, well, that's when I first heard it, right? Like, oh, okay. So like the machine gun double kick at the end, and I was like, I know what I want to do. <laughs> and it was also at that time it was dawning on me that I was never going to be a good hockey player, so I needed another gig. Did you play a lot? I did, yeah, yeah oh. but I wasn't very good. Uh, was you are I don't want to how, how should I put this you are somewhat height challenged was that an did that impact your abilities as a hockey player oh absolutely that's why my he's, favorite player growing up was probably Matt Nasland. oh he's, right he was he's, a, he's actually he's my height now yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up to be a Matt Nasland. <laughs> that's interesting my whole life I wanted to weigh as much and be as tall as Wayne Gretzky mm-hmm. 160 pounds 6'1 that was my target I hit that and then some and now I just feel like a fat guy who never played hockey do you have any sports? I didn't play hockey. You skied? I did ski, downhill skied, yeah. And I played tennis, still play tennis. Not professionally, though. <laughs> but we met, uh, so Steve and I would have met in high school. I think we probably first met at Glenview Park Secondary School. That's true. I don't, I, I'm, I, when you said we were going to talk about this, I don't actually remember how we met, but maybe th- Dallas, through Dallas? Did you know Dallas? Yeah, I'll talk to Dallas a bit later, but I believe that I met Dallas because we were both in a French class in grade 10, and then he skied, and he won the gym award. I was always... <laughs> Dallas won the gym award, and I it was like, in high school, we'd all... I knew all the major athletes, and I no one knew who Dallas was. Like, literally, when Dallas won the gym award, the gym went, what? Who? Who is that? Like Everyone knew like the big sports guys, and he wasn't one of them, but... Yeah, so I met, I guess it must have been through Dallas and Rob Powell, and I don't know who else. Yeah. I didn't, I, just as a sideline, I didn't even know Glenview Park had a gym award. Yeah, there used to be like, yeah, there was. I won like the French award in grade nine. Congratulations. I don't know how to respond to that in French now. <laughs> My French is really bad. Anyway, we started playing, somehow we started playing music. I can't remember where that even happened. Yeah, well, you had drums, or you you wanted to play drums. I think it's a classic high school band story, really. But you had already Dallas were already playing together, I think, and we had played with Tyler, who you mentioned a few weeks ago on your show. Um, And I don't know where Tyler is now, so I can't speak to that. But um, yeah, you we started playing together, and I don't know. I was you were grade ahead of me. I was probably in grade eleven, maybe. Yeah. 
something like that. And we initially, Dallas was really into like kind of industrial music. Did you know this about Dallas? Do you know much about Dallas? Yeah, I know. I know about the yeah. I know about the industrial phase. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he liked like, but like kind of strong. I don't know, like KMFDM and Nine Inch Nails and Ministry. Uh-huh. And, and then we ended up playing in a punk trio, except there was a drum machine in the band. In retrospect, I should have filed some kind of, you know. So, I, I don't think, know. I think more of us went through an industrial phase than we'd like to admit. I went through an included. industrial phase. Yeah, yeah, it was brief, but yeah, I, yeah, it yeah, did yeah. happen. I can't deny that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. I actually remember one of the first times Dallas was mad at me. There was an air band. Do you remember this? There was an air band Do you showcase. Talk about this part. <laughs> I remember seeing a photo of this stuck on the fridge at 106 here. On way too deep into this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There was an air band in high school. You had yeah, air yeah, bands, yeah. and and I think you guys did a Nine Inch Nail yeah. song. Steve is embarrassed. But you anyway, know what? You know I, what? I imposed myself into the reason he was mad is because I was just hanging out and mm-hmm. I didn't. I wasn't all covered in mud and ready to <laughs> sing those, pretend to sing those songs. But like, he was mad that I. I had a thing where I would just kind of. Imp, I would. I'm like, oh, this seems cool, and I yeah, want to be yeah. part of it. And I didn't. I. I just thrashed around. You don't. You remember it, but you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I do remember it. I think the point is that. This was a point in our lives well, where we should have been playing in bands and not playing in air bands, is, how, is my feeling on it in retrospect. We but were I, a little old for that. I remember doing an air band like in grade school, and I have no shame of that. It was Duran Duran. It was rad. Yeah. But like we should have been playing it, like, and we did. I think we were playing in bands. I don't know why we were yeah, doing an air like, band. It was weird. But and, and and there was like people cut themselves. Didn't you cut yourself? Oh man, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> there was anyway it was amazing we we that's how we met i think essentially and and then we started playing uh, like uh, punk rock hardcore hardcore music i guess and you would have been doing that uh you're from london yeah yeah or london area yeah 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 and so you 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 discovered metallica through probably much music uh, buddy of mine had satellites was MTV. Oh, the guy I played in my first band with. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So you were watching Metallica, and had you, were you listening to them a bunch at that point? I, after that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was oh, kind of like the video. It was the first time I kind of stumbled onto an underground music, right? That was completely underground, and it was made by fans for fans. Right. 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 Um, even though like Metallica was on a major label at the time, but there's like this whole underground you kind of tripped into, that um, you, I didn't trip into again until like Nirvana hit. And then you're finding about Sonic Youth and yeah. and all those bands, um, yeah. So it was like it was kind of exciting. This was the first time I'd ever heard of an underground music. Um, and Steve and I would go see Sonic Youth at uh, wherever we could in Toronto. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, for me, it was my older brother who had like Fugazi and Operation Ivy tapes and stuff. Who he'd heard on BMX videos, I think, basically. Yeah. So that was sort of the source for me. It's interesting how much it probably still goes on today, but it's interesting how like you saw a music video before you heard a record. <laughs> Your brother heard it in like BMX and skate videos, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's weird. I guess that's what the the comparison today is like. A lot of people hear songs for the first time in commercials. Yeah, I think people still watch skate videos and surf videos and whatever. I think there's still tunes in, in yeah. those things, and they, those things still get made, and people discover music that way. Yeah. But yeah, like, you'd have a VHS tape of a dude riding a half pipe and there'd be Fugazi songs in the background and you'd say like what the hell is that music that's amazing yeah Yeah. we all first encountered each other in the southern Ontario hardcore and punk scene Uh, I guess when we first saw Doug he would have been in Shoulder were you in a band before Shoulder not one that would have played much no okay yeah and uh, and we were playing in Captain Copilot and there was this we would I don't know do you remember seeing us did you ever see us yeah at the Button Factory at the Button Factory in Kitchener yeah were you doing school 
No, it was before. Uh, maybe by the time I saw Copilot there, but we. I remember Shoulder played there a couple times. Yeah, we you guys were there. Yeah. I remember playing with their old band Pain Don't Hurt, PDH. Oh, yeah, PDH. At the Button Factory. Pain Don't Hurt. With um, the Lemon Ziggers, of which Mark Ganassin ended up from Gaffer, I believe, was in that band. Uh, yeah. Ga- Cambridge band Gaffer. They were good. Yeah. I like them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, PDH was, uh, I was just telling someone about this the other day. There's a real mania around the movie Roadhouse. <coughs> yeah. The Patrick Swayze movie. And I, at the time, Dallas named that band. Was I ever in PDH? Was I ever in Pain Don't Hurt? I don't remember. You might have been. <laughs> <laughs> if you weren't, if you weren't, does it hurt? Well, we would do, <laughs> we would do a song from that band. If you remember, it means you weren't there. It was a bit of a confusing time because you would go through drummers and we would play and then not play. But we yeah. definitely played a Pain Don't Hurt song when we were in Captain Copilot. Yeah, absolutely. It was called um, New School Calypso. Yeah, NSC. <laughs> NSC, yeah. Why was it called New School Calypso? I think, it, well, it didn't relate to the content of the song in any way. It was just a, just a name, just a way to refer. None of those songs had real names, as you remember. And even Captain Copilot, those songs, like, barely had real names. Yeah, I, I would, the surf song and Quiet 2 and, yeah. Yeah. We 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 were shy of naming things, I yeah, think. I don't know reason. why. Yeah. But, but we yeah. call ourselves Captain Copilot somehow. Which is a good name, I think. I don't remember who who came up with it. Do you? Yeah, Rob Powell had a stutter and a stammer, and he was just like, "You should call your, you should call your band, you should call your band, you should call your band, Captain, Captain, Captain Copilot, Captain Copilot." And we were like, "What? What are you saying?" <laughs> Trying to decipher Rob Powell. Eventually, we were like, "Captain Copilot, that's pretty good." You don't remember this? I don't really remember Rob having a stutter. I remember him like speaking with great enthusiasms. Sorry, I meant to say he was spazzy. <laughs> he was a bit of a. He didn't stutter. He was a bit of a spaz. Did you know Robbie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in PDH. That's right. <laughs> he uh, played a he played a, like a like a, a, a BC Rich guitar. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Punk yeah. is BC Rich. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when did Shoulders start? Uh, I think in '94, early '94, somewhere around there. Yeah. And you were uh, part of a community in London. Uh, well, it wasn't much one at the time. The uh, like the only band we knew. Likewise, or like like similar was this band called As We Speak, which Bry also played in. Oh, okay. And they were doing like more slow metallic hardcore, and I was just like a Discord nut. Yeah. And basically, I got into that rights to Spring record. And we, oh yeah. And we kind of did this like, you know, like um, like when emo was a word that was trashed for different reasons that it is now. Like I remember reading a Maximum Rock and Roll article or letter where some guys like throw your Lincoln and Hoover seven inches in the trash where they belong. What? And I remember thinking like, wow, this has got to be cool. <laughs> if guys that only want to hear 77 drunk punk hate it. Right. Hoover is like my favorite band, maybe one of my favorite bands for sure. Yeah. We'll see. When I was in my industrial and punk rock phase, I thought when I was pushing middle age, I'd be getting something cool like a Corvette. But now I'm pushing middle age, and all I'm doing is buying Hoover and Ministry <laughs> That's what I'm albums doing. that yeah. I only ever had on cassette. Right. Yeah. On, like, Discogs yeah, or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Discogs.com. I'm I wish I could go back thing. and be like, hey, 17-year-old you, middle age you, is going to be trying to be you. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I wish I had been like, why are you buying this on this yeah. tape? You should wait. Yeah. You should wait, yeah. Why didn't I just buy the record? Yeah. Because I can't carry it with me in a Walkman. Now, shoulder ended because your bassist, Chris... Was that his name? Chris, yeah. He moved west, but it was it was before that. We were just kind of done. Oh, you were done? Yeah, well, okay. yeah. It wasn't, yeah. And, and around the same time, or a few months, maybe, or a year later, our band... Steve, do you remember? Uh, we haven't... We've talked about this before, and uh, it's semi-painful for me still in a way that, in that I wish it didn't happen. But do you remember why we stopped playing? I mean, I think 
we were all just busy. We were all in school by that point. Like, I think it just kind of fell apart because we couldn't agree on times to jam together, basically. I was going through a thing with a girl, a small, a tiny woman. She was making me crazy, too. She was occupying a lot of my time. Dallas was also with a tiny woman, wasn't he? That's right. They were friends. The two <laughs> tiny women were friends. And oh. they, would, they would come from Whoville or wherever the hell they came down from, and then they messed with us. And a powder it, keg of tiny ladies. <laughs> the tiny ladies took up a lot of our time. It was very distracting. And then I had school and work. And yeah, it just, it up, you know, in the end, it probably just ran its course. I think it just ran its course. I don't remember any big blowout, but I think it was sort of, you know, the frustrations of trying to coordinate schedules and stuff didn't aid our friendships particularly yeah and we lived together too which uh at the time i think was a bit stressful somebody hadn't done their dishes and the band broke up Corey, i don't really remember but cory never did his dishes when we lived really? together there was six dudes living in that house it was yeah, it was, it was too disgusting yeah. that shouldn't happen <laughs> too many dudes in one oh house. that old house on elizabeth, on elizabeth street. Street. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It was bad. Early Constantine's practices happened at that house. You well, guys came down a few times. I seem to I remember. With you. Yeah, you guys were really angry at the landlord, and we had a show, and it was like Acacia and Constantine's and the, and the weekend, and you knew the landlord was showing the house the next day. So we had a huge party the night before, and everyone crashed there. And so Tony comes in bringing through these young students with their parents you and remember the landlord's name his name was totally tony, tony. yeah yeah yeah. because me and that guy had uh, um uh, tom mcknight were up all night like hey tony <laughs> what's up this is how we live that guy was not and, a good guy and and they were like yeah just students with their parents coming in the front door walking straight out the back and just seeing uh, like just stepping over passed out bodies and empties yeah, as I recall, that's the way the house was found when these guys... Like, I had, I couldn't move in. I was working, and I couldn't make it in for the move-in day. And when I got there, everyone in the house was mad at me. Because they were like, dude, like, you have no idea. Like, these guys... There's a club in Guelph called The Palace, and the house seemed to be infested with these guys from the palace. They lived there, and they messed it up. The bouncer, the kind of bouncer dudes from the palace lived there, and they had had a party the night before they were supposed to move out. I think when we showed up, kind of the same yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what goes around comes around. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of funny. So basically, I bring this up because I think your band shoulder ended, uh, our band Captain Copilot ended. The reason it's sad for me is because I miss that sound more than anything. Uh-huh. And then you guys went on to find kind of a, I, I, I don't want to say middle ground because it sounds disparaging, but you found this marriage of hard rock, I suppose, and hardcore punk, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. And did we did we have any impact on what you and Bry wanted to do in music? Yeah, because I remember Bry and I and this guy uh, Paul, who was in Shoulder, were looking to start a new band when Chris was gone, and we just wanted a bassist. And we saw Captain Copilot, and we're like, "That's the guy." When we saw Dallas play, so we started jamming with Dallas, and then it became clear that uh, this guy Paul was not going to work out, and he wasn't really interested. So, kind of, I remember we said, "Yeah," and we we got Steve. Cause right, because by that, that by that time you guys you guys had stopped playing. I think yeah. there was some crossover. We started playing with Dallas, and then you guys stopped playing. You had started. I think one of the time you saw us in Waterloo, it, it was almost like you were scouting Dallas, or you'd already played with him or something. Not uh, to make I, it I saw it. No, I remember seeing the first time. I mean, like that's the guy. Oh, nice. Because he was going nuts. Yes, he was. Yeah, Dallas yeah, yeah. used to go nuts. Yeah. And I used to laugh while I was playing my yeah. nutty parts, yeah. just because it was so intense. Yeah, yeah, with all those like Jesus lizard bass lines and stuff. That's right. right. Yeah. We, Dallas yeah. and I, were huge Jesus yeah. lizard fans, yeah. and yeah. Anyway, it was a nice, it was a good time, and now we're here. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to catch up and find out about your lives when we're done, and and I appreciate it. Oh. Well, I th- if you, I, I'm going to talk to some other folks in your oh, band. Okay, you're going to fill in the fill in the blanks. 
Maybe. I might ask them. Well, yeah. Do, do you feel like we got to it? Because I remember one of the reasons I want to do this with you is because at the end of our interview, you were like, hey, we didn't really talk about our yeah, stuff. We yeah, we didn't talk about our stuff. Well, I just listened to your other shows and you had talked about that that time a lot with other people. <laughs> and I thought, I, I thought maybe I'd have something to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does. I know. It turns out I don't really. No, you do. I mean, Ted, I, I know Ted was a big factor. And then you and I shared music. I think. I mean, in the end, we were all just sharing records and going to shows, and then we ended up playing. Well, if, absolutely. If you think back, it's pretty amazing that a bunch of teenagers from Guelph and London and Cambridge, yeah, Cambridge, right? And like, <laughs> but like, but like Oakville, Mississauga. Did the mic pick up Doug rolling his eyes there? <laughs> Cambridge, that was amazing. Yeah, well, you know, and you know, Ottawa, like all these like teenagers in early twenty somethings, kind of made it happen, you know. Yeah. And it's just like a absolutely. A, and to this day my favorite musicians learn to play on questionable stages with even more questionable PAs. Yeah, it's true. I think it was really formative. I, I mean, I think the thing we haven't said is how big shoulder fans we were. Like, we would travel to see you guys play and stuff, you know, and I think that's significant. Like, we were excited about these, like, bands that were, like, people our own age, you know, like, we would drive to London or drive to Toronto or whatever to see see bands that were people just like us play, you know, yeah. in in crappy little spaces that weren't even set up for shows or whatever. Yeah, and Shoulder did stick out. Like, we would, we, Steve's right, we would go out of our way to see Shoulder. We invited Shoulder to play Minnow's last Minnow's show. Minnow's last show, yep. And uh, I With uh, Chili. Chili. Jim Guthrie. That's right, and also Blake. Yes. So basically, Three Gut Records, Bedrock. Everyone, we've ta- I've talked about this on the show before, but everyone who played that show basically ended up in, a, really, gut, in yeah. a real key three-gut band. It was all born in UC-103. <laughs> no, no, that was... Peter at, Clark Hall. Peter Clark Hall. Right. You, you remember everything. It's amazing. Doug remembers everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if we could go Except to... Except how the songs go. I'm going to ask the other guys uh, as well, but if you could pick one song by the cons that we could play right now, uh, what would it be? I'll let Steve take this. You don't want to pick the one with the best drums? It's like picking your favorite kid. No, I don't know. Easy. <laughs> I don't have any kids. Uh, no, yeah. Fuck, I don't know, man. You pick a song. <laughs> I can only remember the last one we just played downstairs. What was the last one you just played? We just played Arizona. Arizona. That's good. Yeah, there we go. Okay. So that's, that's a segue. First song, first record. There you go. Okay, guys, thank you. Have fun uh, with this Constantine stuff. It's good to see you guys again. Thanks, Fish. Thanks, Fish. Right, there's one.
I want to start by asking uh, Will Dallas uh, about uh, you guys about the most absurd memory you have about the Constantines, most absurd situation you might have ever been in. I know there's probably been a number of them, but if you can think off the top of your head of something that comes to mind when you think of weird moments in the Constantines' history. I'd say one of them, and it was more than just once, it was, a, it was an entire tour of Europe where our um, our tour manager driver um, all in one guy was this crusty punk Jorg and uh, the first thing he did he well he picked us up at the airport in a VW van in the winter with no heat the seats in the back had no padding on them they just had one blanket over top of the metal frame um, and he smoked non-stop uh, so picked us up at the airport and then we were trying to find the backline company and as he was pulling into the backline company's uh, parking lot he hit a guy on a scooter that he went, he went the, the kid went flying and 
his helmet went flying and eventually he got up and, and he shook his arms and his legs and he said I can move my arms, I can move my legs my life is so much worse than this and that was about the first half hour followed by two weeks of nobody showing up to shows and no heat in a van and sleeping on floors and that was a pretty absurd couple weeks that sounds kind of amazing i've never heard that story and and yeah to top we it's easy well we we didn't really get along with this guy we we did our best um and uh when when he tried steve reminded me of this bit of information the other day that uh he tried to drop us off at the um freight airport at the end of the tour and he actually tried to get us out of the van and we we had to insist that we were at the wrong airport and he had to drive us to a different airport before we were getting out <laughs> do you think he was like pranking you at that point like Not was he, at all. he just didn't know what he was doing he had no well he's he's driven around plenty of punk bands punker than us <laughs> i guess if they <laughs> that's pretty amazing uh, Will, that, uh, Dallas, that was a great story Will, do you, do you have anything uh, along those lines? good in my memory bank right now So that's a pretty good one that, That's about the yeah. most absurd, strange I'll add to that, I, I think we put the, the guy that we hit on the scooter he, he, he was on the guest list for the show that night Oh, well that's nice but Did he come to the show? He, he didn't make it okay. no. See, I, I, I have care a feeling that, like, the Soreness might have crept in during the, during the day there He oh, did say he guy. was going to come Yeah, he did say he was going to come well, that also brings me to the... That, that's a nice segue into my next question. Uh, the road can be weird. Uh, the life of a, uh, uh, a band can be hard. What was the most dangerous circumstance you ever found yourself in in this band? Does anything come to mind? You've Planes, trains, boats probably, cars, obviously. Does anything come to mind? Did you ever feel like your life was in peril, that you might be going to jail or something? I, I, I wasn't really scared at all. But I guess... Like when we played at the Sasquatch Festival, and there's hail and rain, and um, that doesn't <clears throat> bode well for sound systems and electronic equipment. There was no stage hand or whatever, or stage uh, person who runs the stage. There was no there was stage manager. Those. There was no stage manager. Thanks, yeah, Vish. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm here. And uh, so nobody told us to stop, and we just kept going. And then the rain and the hail kept getting harder. And then the PA blew up eventually. And uh, potentially dangerous, but ultimately exciting and fun. And uh, one of the best 17-minute sets we've ever played. You know, that set, it's funny that you bring this up because uh, Doug and Steve were just where you guys are sitting now. And they said the same thing. Sasquatch was the most scary it's ever been for your band on stage. Is that that's about the most scary? Yes. Have you ever been more scared? I, I remember, I remember thinking that I might die. I wasn't. Uh, that's I think the only time I've had that thought, and it and I wasn't scared. I felt like we, this is the best. Yeah. Like if I felt like if we're gonna go out, this like we're in a couple inches of water. There's cables and power everywhere, and like you could see green. Like it looked like tornadoes were coming our way, and but uh, it just. It, it seemed like a it seemed like a good good way to go <laughs> well interestingly this was captured like you can you can watch this on YouTube yeah and it's uh, as I recall it's uh, 
it's uh, young lions and working full time. And, you know, you talk about the fear. That's not evident in this clip that I watched the other day. In fact, Will, at some point, you jump into the, like, the state, the roof. You yeah. climb on top. You're, like, egging it on. Bring it on. Brian at one point yells, bring it on. It seemed like, like what Dallas is saying. You were clearly lost in that moment. It was genuine enthusiasm, I believe, uh, as I recall. And I think that clip, uh, you know, is an example of that. Yeah, it's okay. for real. It's like two in the afternoon. We we just kind of woke up and we're playing a show and we don't know what the hell is going on and and Mother Nature is like impending doom. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It's pretty. It's it's an awesome so. clip. I'm glad that it lives on. Now you, the three of us, have something in common, in the sense that we're all from basically Cambridge. Where are you from, Will? Uh, I grew up in Air, Ontario. I went to high school in Cambridge. Where'd you go? Southwood. Southwood. That was, the I thought... side of the river, I think. Wasn't that, like, where the snobby kids... Like, yeah, that was totally, that, Like, yeah. the rich kids went? Do you remember this? I, I remember that was that was the reputation. I didn't really ever know anyone from that side of town. But I was from Air. Like, I wasn't really one of those rich Cambridge kids. No, no. no. I was bust in every day. <laughs> Whatever. Actually, I don't even really remember. I don't so. know a whole bunch about Air. I was in Air once <laughs> to see you guys play at a house. Do you remember this? You played house party Oh, in yeah, it was one of the Mighty Fisher... Was it Irv's, Irv's parents' place or something? And But we didn't get to play. We, um... The, I think that band Ground got to play, and then it was supposed to be us and the Mighty Fishermen, I think, but but after Ground, the neighbors had complained, and that was yeah. that was it for the day. What oh, band? Yeah, and you, it, was a, it was a version of PDH, maybe? Oh. Pain don't hurt. Pain, pain don't hurt. Sorry, <laughs> you don't want to talk. <laughs> I was just con- I was just commending you for naming this band, Dallas. You were way ahead of the Roadhouse kind of cultural infatuation. You call you named the band after Patrick Swayze's line in Roadhouse, right? Pain don't hurt. <laughs> and the drummer at the time was a guy named Ryan. Yes, Ryan Merkley. Merkley. You know that guy? I went to school with him at Southwood Secondary. Was he a good guy? I don't remember him. If it, I don't, <laughs> okay, getting a signal that maybe we don't want to. He wasn't. I don't even know how did he end up in the band. Do you remember? Um, I guess he was the only guy from Southwood I knew really at that. Um, he ended up in the band because we didn't really have a a drummer and uh, and someone. I think Steve knew him somehow. Steve knew, met him somewhere before, and Steve said, "Basic like, I know a guy that has drums." that we can get maybe to play this show and that's that was it yeah and then I think was that the only time he almost played with you or did you actually play a show with him I think w- I know we played we played one show with him for sure um, at the button factory in Waterloo and uh, I don't know if there were any other ones yeah I think that was about it um, you know you mentioned Cambridge you mentioned the show was shut down you we're all from Cambridge I have a lasting memory of being shut down a lot, like trying to put on shows and being frustrated because at the last minute some conservative group or the cops would come and we'd they'd shut us down. Do you remember this? Absolutely. I remember working with uh, a, a, a shop owner downtown that was letting us uh, use their space for shows, and, yeah, it was immediately shut down. Yeah, I remember that, and I'm, I I always remember it because there was a guy, what was his name, uh, Alex? Do we know a guy in high school named Alex Duff or something like that? Yeah, Alex Duff, yes. Is that his name? I got that right, yeah. And he <laughs> showed up before we started, 
and I don't know why I'm talking about this, but I remember it. He's like, hey, guys, have a good show. And I'm like, you're not coming? He's like, oh, no, we're going to the movies. And I got so angry that he chose a movie over seeing his friends play in a band, and I always remember that. Do you remember that? I was furious at Alex. I, uh, I, I, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's high school stuff. So what got you into playing music there in Cambridge, Will? I just kind of was into... I just fell in love with music in high school. I wasn't really into high school, so I was just curious, so... Started going to those shows like you're talking about that got shut down a lot at the old Irish and HQ Sports, the cave. That was a bar. Yeah. But uh, I still remember the Mighty Fishermen getting shut down in there because they were too loud. Um, so was it so mostly local bands that you were into or local music? Yeah, at first, right? Because I didn't know anything about music. I was trying to figure out how to play in a band. And then I ended up at the Cambridge Sham Halls and shit. I think you've been there and stuff, right? Cambridge Sham Halls. Across from GCI. Oh, where that guy, that guy ripped us off. Yeah, yeah, us bro. Off. Yeah. yeah, totally. I think he did that to other people, too. Yeah, he, he uh, apparently spent all our money on, his, on, uh, on an engagement ring. and then For Jill Holmberg, our friend Jill Holmberg. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> I don't mind calling people out. Jill's my friend. I see Jill oh, cool. sometimes. She's the best. Right yes, yeah. I see, I see Jill every every maybe every ten years. It's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, like I thought those people were the coolest. So that space was, was uh, pretty cool. We went and recorded. Uh, would have been Die Octave that band. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we would have done. A, and it was good. It sounded good. And we never. I never heard it after we left the room. Yeah, me neither. I wish we did that. I, I think we had something special there. It was, no, I think that that recording. Are you being sincere? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was very excited about that. I wish that. I wish out of all the things that I wish would go away from those young years, that that's one thing that I wish would appear. Do you? Do, are there things from your time at that point in your life that are circulating? Because if so, that I'm likely involved, and I need to know about it too. Yeah, there's nothing. <laughs> there's really nothing, right? There's, we did like a little bit of stuff. Hey, you and I, how did we meet? Do you remember? I don't remember. I have a feeling we were probably both wearing band T-shirts that maybe weren't, that were not the Doors. Although I did wear a Doors T-shirt pretty religiously for all of grade nine. I did too. I had a Jim Morrison shirt. And Jill... Homburg in computing class or whatever it was called keyboarding tapped me on the shoulder once and she's like hey did you hear Robbie Krieger died and I went what what are you I didn't what are you I didn't know that yeah. she went oh, I'm just kidding she used to just prank me all the time and tell me people had died that's a, and then this guy bought a wedding engagement ring for her took all our money and then she broke up with him that's the kind of woman Jill is and I love Jill very much anyway do you remember? I wish. Uh, I think I wore that door shirt, hoping that Jill Holmberg would talk to me. <laughs> that's, that's, that's why. I Where got do you that see shirt. Jill now? Jill is very. Jill. Jill was great. I like Jill too. Yeah. But we were always friends. Uh, I don't know. Just from time to time. I think she lives here. Cool. She was like a nanny for someone I knew, uh, like a musician. It was like a weird thing. Do you remember she... the unfuckable com- the UFCBs? No. The unfuckable cum bums. <laughs> like they were like like when you asked me why I got into music, like, that was. Kind of- they were kind of the coolest oh, band. Uh, Where are they from? I think they're from like Southwood. Oh, they're like, from Cambridge. Yeah, they're from Cambridge. I have no recollection. And they're still of this. playing to this day. And um, they were like the coolest kids in our school, and we always kind of looked up to them. They wrote songs about uh, like our teachers and stuff, and 
and they were just great musicians and stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, UFCBs, look them up. I think they're still on MySpace. <laughs> so, so okay. So I, I'm, I am. Intrigued. I know they're on Facebook. I'm intrigued by your uh, real devotion to local music because when we were growing up, I can't think of too many Cambridge bands. Was Curb a band? Was that yeah, a band? That, yeah, Aventura. That's uh, he sold me my first guitar. Yeah, I would see them at the Volcano sometimes. But were there other Cambridge bands that we liked? I can't remember. Um, I don't. I think the ones that I remember there was there wasn't anyone around by the time we were really playing music. I mean, the, there was the only ones I can remember are well, Curb and Ground and the Mighty Fishermen. Yeah. Uh, the Killjoys were from Hamilton. There was a bit of a Hamilton scene at that point. Yeah. Choke to start. Yes. Two guys. They're a punk band from Cambridge. Quite good. Choke to start were from Waterloo, and they were really awesome. Yes. I like them. Um, yeah. And then anyway, so, okay, we probably... I remember meeting you, I think, in Mr. Gouveia's French class in grade 10. <laughs> oh, Mr. Gouveia. Yeah, the... Oh, guitar player. Oh, no, he was the lead singer, right? He had a, yeah, he had a band. He had, he, a, was, he had an alter ego, Tony Taboo. Tony Taboo, yeah. I remember making, uh, we got, like, to do art projects in his French class. We got to make fake posters for French things and stuff. That was, he was good, yeah. He brought in his LP to show us one day. Nice picture of him on the front. I, I actually have that in my collection. I have a copy of that record. Oh, wow. I'd, I'd like to hear that again. <laughs> I think he played it for us in one of his classes. He was, a cool, he was a really cool dude. He'd be like, Vish, if I can give you one piece of advice, work on your scales. Work on your scales. And I'm like, I was just fiddling around with guitar at that point. But he was super. Is that a good advice? Would you give that advice to someone, Will? Work on your scales? Uh, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> you don't think people should work on their scales? Uh, but it is good advice. I'm just saying I wouldn't give it. Okay. All right. Now you I and think I, I should work on my skills. <laughs> now, you and I, basically, Dallas and I, we kind of started playing music together, right? Like, we kind of tried to figure it out at around the same time? Yeah, yeah. We did. Were, did you did you go in that guitar, learn to play guitar class, Mr. Carbones? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was the beginning. Yeah. I remember it because uh, you weren't in my group. We all had to go in little rooms to, like, practice. And my group was, uh, me, myself included, would just be like... We wouldn't learn the lesson. We'd be like, hey, how do you play Come As You Are? And that was like the very first thing I ever learned to play on guitar was like Come As You Are. Were you in the good group? Did you actually try to learn that stuff? Oh, no. I was in the group with the two metal guys, Rob and Phil, and we just learned Metallica riffs. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's true. You'd just go and goof off, and then you'd have to do a display or something like in class, and I would always... I was never I took, good at it. I took it. that class at Southwood. Oh, you, there was a guitar class? Yep, same thing. It's kind of amazing that there were guitar classes in our high school. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what got me starting to play music. And yeah. you never, like, beyond that class, I don't remember you ever taking a lesson. You just sort of figured it out. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, I don't <laughs> Is that know. just a myth? <laughs> no, that is true. I have not, I, I, and I still don't know much about music. Um, but, yeah, that I, I was probably as good of guitar player as I ever ever was there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. We'll be in that grade 10 class. I, I, I could switch from all the major chords. But among, among us, you stuck out. Like among, when you switched to bass, everyone was like, holy crap. Like everyone, every other band, including Shoulder, uh, Brian Doug would be like, who is that guy? Like you, I don't know what it was. Like, were you just, I know this puts you on the spot. Like, did you have, were you emulating people or were you just trying to figure out your own style? Because I think a lot of people, I was in, just in St. John's, Judd Haynes of Wintersleep. Uh, now now he's a designer. Uh, JuddHaynes.com, everybody. He's great. Anyway, he really looked up to you uh, as a bass player. Can you talk a little bit about your approach and why you think maybe people, uh, uh, why why people think it sticks out? Well, I've never never heard that, or even I certainly wouldn't think anyone would think that. I I I know so uh, I know so little about that instrument. I guess I was uh, I don't know. I, I was just trying to. I only picked started playing bass because Rob and Phil already had guitars, and they were re- way better at the Metallica riffs than I was. So I thought if we were ever going to have a band, someone had to play bass. And uh, I just wanted it to be heavy. Yeah, like I was saying to uh, Steve and uh, Doug, you were kind of into what I would describe as industrial music at the time. Like, you was that fair? I sure was. Yeah, and uh, Doug here just the other day and before practice put on some Ministry in it. It, uh, I, I still love it. <laughs> <laughs> but we ended up playing, and you ended up introducing a drum machine to our punk band. Do you, do you remember that when we started Dioctive, you were like, we have to play with a drum machine. Was that because I was just deficient at the drums, or did you just think it was a cool idea to add to the mix? I, uh, yeah, I think I, I loved, yeah, I loved industrial music, and that was about as far as uh, we could we could get. I just liked that you could, it was just, you could, program it to be so fast and hard all the time <laughs> you also had drummer issues right was that part of it you just your drummer issues went away when you had this little machine it did me and steve we saved up our money to buy that drum machine i think we spent 500 dollars on that thing which was a lot of money back in 1990 or whatever it was um yeah and uh we yeah we we, we couldn't get drummers so uh, that's also how we, well, I think Ryan came first, that Southwood guy, and we certainly didn't want to have to go back to that, so we bought a drum machine. <laughs> and then we all, you also would play with Tyler Williams? Yes, Tyler is a fantastic drummer. He just, he wasn't able to make the commitment to the, to the music. He, he, he wasn't able to, to get out and play like we wanted to. He had some family stuff going on. That's the easiest way to put it. He just had some family stuff going on. Then somehow I entered the mix. Do you remember when I started? I feel like he stopped coming to practice with you guys. I distinctly remember playing with you for the first time in your parents' living room, and Ted was there, 
it's Ted Lamke, Steve's brother, insisting we play like Black Sabbath songs and some other weird stuff. Not weird, but just like he was like yelling requests at a band that had, didn't even exist yet, which I thought was odd. I don't think I knew who Black Sabbath were. Oh, yeah, that's probably true. We had to do Supernaut. He insisted we play the song Supernaut. Oh, well, th- yes, that would be my introduction. And the reason I know that song is because it was uh, a song that both uh, Nine Inch Nails and Ministry covered. Um, so, that yeah, that was my introduction to Black Sabbath. But I knew that song from uh, Thousand Homo DJs. Okay, we had to figure that out. I remember it being weird. What did you make? Uh, when we, were, we had Captain Copilot, which uh, I still, I've said this before on the record, but... I kind of regret, like, I miss that band. Like, I miss playing that. I miss that sound. You ended up, well, actually, first of all, what are you, what would you, if you can think back on that time, what did you think we were up to? What did you make of our band? Oh, that was a good band. Um, I think we were, Minnow was, I think, a big influence on, on that band, right? A, a Guelph band from those days. Um, yeah, that was, that was a good band. Yeah, Captain Copilot. I, I think that's like uh, I saw you guys once at the Walper Pub, opening up for Pecola. Yeah, that's right. We played with Pecola, and then there was a new Choke to Start band for like yeah. a minute. Uh, and I can't remember. What and it was after called. that show, I brought a tape of my new band. I was going to give it to Pecola because they were awesome. But then I ended up giving the tape to Steve, and that was like how I think I started. Yeah, talking with Steve and stuff. Oh, weird. So that's, that's kind of like the connection there. Captain Copilot connected you to these guys too. Yeah, you, absolutely. I, did you not play a show at the uh, Cordova? Or so was Corova. that? Corova. Yeah, I played there many times. But did you not play with like uh, Super Friends and Local Rabbits and Threshermen? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I went to that show and I saw you and you were great. Oh, weird. That's that's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I was really young. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a thing where I liked really, har- I liked hardcore and punk, but I also, of the three of us, was really like into the East Coast scene. I think yeah. you kind of made fun of me a little bit, Dallas. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, um, yeah, I probably did. I wasn't into that East Coast scene so much. <laughs> Have you grown to appreciate it a little bit more, or is it still not, is that something you think of? Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, at the time, I like. I, I wanted everything to just be so fast and heavy, and, and those those guys from the East Coast I, sounded like a bunch of slackers to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Well, uh, at some point, uh, Captain Copilot ended, and then this band started. Right? That's about right? It, it was pretty much right away, wasn't it? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it was. Um, do, you, do you have... I asked Steve this. Do you have any perspective on the end of our band? Like, why it ended? <laughs> I don't mind. Yes, I do. <laughs> I, I'm happy to hear what you think. That's when you got a girlfriend. Was... Around the time I said this, yeah, we got I got a girlfriend and you got a girlfriend. We had these short women, these small, tiny women yeah. from Coburg. Very, very sweet girls. Yeah, I got a I got a girlfriend out of that too. <laughs> but uh, but I I was I still want I still wanted to play music. Whereas I think you were uh, you weren't you didn't want to be in the in the in the sweaty basement room with with us anymore. And you think it was strictly because of the, the the girl thing? It wasn't the school or the jobs or us maybe not getting along? You, in your mind, it's just because I was getting lucky all of a sudden? Yeah, I blame it all on Jocelyn. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's fair. That's fair. I think it was more than that because I, I don't know. It was tumultuous. It was a crazy time. But I do miss that. I will say, like, I miss that band. I miss playing those Like, I miss that sound. 
Yeah, that uh, that three. Yeah, just a simple three piece and a bunch of a bunch of yelling and stuff. Yeah, it was because like beyond the industrial, you were into the Jesus Lizard. I was into the Jesus Lizard. That stuff fed into it. You mentioned Minnow, but there was Fugazi and Shellac and. I don't know. It felt like everything we loved kind of finally came through in that uh, in that band. Yeah, yeah. I, I have uh, very fond memories of of that band. Yeah, it was good. It was good. So, and it obviously, it made an impression on Will. That's kind of cool. Absolutely. So, uh, and then, how did you end up being in the Constantines, Will? I like you're the last to join. I gave a tape to Steve at that show, like I said, and then he invited me to play. At 106 Huron At one of the basement shows Shortly after that And then I just became friends With everyone And would hang out And jam I had a girlfriend In Guelph And Was she tiny? <laughs> she tiny and manipulative? Not at all Not at all <laughs> I'm past uh, it I'm over uh, it It just got really? brought up Yeah no I am I'm fine We're I've heard it's story all... On another show too <laughs> 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 That's right Anyway uh, And then after that I uh I was playing in Gentleman Reg's band with Brian. He was in the band at the same time. I was playing bass. He was playing guitar. I bought a keyboard one day and told Bri about it. And he said, why don't you join the band? And that's it. That's and then I went on tour. Yeah, yeah, went on tour with them well, kind of right away. <laughs> didn't didn't Bri, bring, Bri brought you to, like, to a CBC recording session we were doing at one yep. of those beautiful studios? Yep. It was like, hey, everyone, this is Will. He's going to play keyboards on these songs. <laughs> that was your introduction? Oh, yeah. Like, I didn't even know the song. Yeah, like, we had, we had, we had all kind of, we had all met. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was sort of a surprise. And it, it, the time was tight in those sort of uh, CBC recording sessions. And, yeah, uh, yeah it was, I remember it being being a little little awkward of a start <laughs> something you had figured out some parts that you thought sounded good when you and Bri were like yeah jamming in a in a bedroom with a with a keyboard and an acoustic guitar or something and it didn't quite work with all the other notes going on <laughs> but then I just like uh, yeah I just kind of simplified it it worked just feel it out listen no, I, yeah. I think it added a great dimension to the band obviously you cool. must have been thrilled to have that sound uh, on stage with you Oh, absolutely. Yes. Well, it's great to see you guys back at it. Uh, and we're here. Uh, we didn't even talk about this, Dallas. We're here at the old Who's Emma, which was significant for me as a kid. And you and I went to shows here, right? Yeah. Yeah, we did. There used to be, uh, pretty, well, it seemed legendary to us, these giant shows. And it's a, it's a basement that, a very, very tiny basement. Yeah. Yeah. And you're back at it. And, you know, things are going well, I assume. It's, you guys look like you're having a good time down there. Yeah, we are. Yeah. It, it was a little easier to get things rolling than than I think any of us expected. The, I guess there, there's a, those songs are 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 in us. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Yes. Well, I wish you the best of luck going forward, and you know we're all excited to see the, the cons on these uh, dates coming up. Uh, I asked uh, Steve and Doug to pick a song from the entire band's catalog. I'm going to ask you two. Uh, to try and come up with a song. What would you like to hear right now from your catalog, from the Constantine's catalog? Mm. I would pick, uh, I'd pick an Insectivora because you were talking about Dallas and his bass playing and the sound of the bass on that song blows my mind still to this day. You happy with that? 
Yeah. I'm a, yeah. <laughs> All right, here it is. Thanks, guys. Have a good uh, day and a good practice. Thanks, Vish. Hey, Vish.
This is actually your th- <clears throat> third time technically being on this show. Are you aware of this? At least. I feel like it was more than that, but you're probably right. Because one's for provider and one's for free will, kind of. and then Different show. Provider was like my old oh. Breakfast Club show. This is like the creative control show. But wasn't... Oh, yeah. Okay. We had breakfast at your other place right. for that album. That's right. This one... No, I think you were on... No <laughs> one's really been on more than once. I, don't I thought it was on your CFRU show. Like, for the provider thing. I thought I did like a, oh, a phone the, or something, but I could be but wrong. But that would have maybe been the Mish... When did that record come out? Uh, 2011? Yeah, you were probably on the Mish V show. Is it 2011? Yeah, I think that's right. Because I was still doing that it show at that 2012. point. 2012. No. No, 2011, November 2011. That's yes. when it came out. Yeah, and so you were on... Yeah, you... Mish Fish. No, that didn't exist then. I'm sure we did something. Yeah. Anyway, my point is, no one has really been on this show, Creative Control, I think more than once. I'm probably blanking on somebody, but... You were on for a, like a formal long form interview, but then you were on secretly. Mm-hmm. You and the cons. <laughs> surprise! You did it. We did a surprise skit. Yeah. I wonder if we should play that skit for people right now so that we can talk about it a little bit. Yeah, let's. Should we? Let's should talk. we play it? Let's uh, do the play by play. The director's cut. The DVD uh, extras. <laughs> or the fe- yeah, like future commentary. Mm-hmm. So, as I recall, right now, Doug is clicking into. Uh, on to you. That's right. Hey, 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 wait a second. Guys, guys, hey, guys, what is going on here? What is going on? Oh, hey, Vish. Hey, Bry, and Will, and Doug, and Dallas, and Steve of the Constantines. What are you doing on my podcast? Uh, we're just getting ready for the show in Guelph on Friday. The show in Guelph on Friday? What are you talking about? I don't know anything about you guys playing a show in Guelph on Friday. Is that a thing? Yes. Okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is it at Kazoo Fest? Is it like the Kazoo 8th anniversary show? (laughs) Maybe. Okay. At the James Gordon headquarters thing there? Maybe. With with Esther Gray and that Shadowy Men tribute band and uh, start something? That that You're doing that? Maybe. Okay. All right. That's that's great. (laughs) Uh, see you there. See you there, guys. Okay, bye. Bye. Have a good practice. (laughs) No, no. Was that good? Was that a good take? I'm I'm trying to act. Mm -hmm. And you were tasked with the, uh... You were tasked with acting with me. It wasn't as spontaneous as it might have, might have seemed. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't talk about it, did we? I think it was just one take. Yeah, it, it was, was one just take, one take. And I was just like, I'll just come up with something. Mm-hmm. Have you been put into scenarios like that before where you have to pretend something's happening? when? Kind of. Every once in a while that happens. I'm really bad at it. You're bad at you, Because of the fakery? Yeah. I'm just, I mean, I, there's no, I can't g- seem to get my voice and my face outside of the fact that I'm acting. You know, like I can't, it's not a reality. It's no. It's never no. a reality. Well, I just thought it would be fun to try that uh, with you guys in particular because I think in some ways you're, you, the band has an enigmatic quality and I know that everyone's really funny. 
Yeah, but everybody thinks that we're very serious. Yes. Yeah. So I thought of, and the the premise, of course, was that you guys were playing a surprise show in Guelph the same weekend you were playing a big show in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to kind of do a reveal of the Guelph show, and then we did it. It was it was fun. It was a nice joke. Now you played so at this point the cons have played those two shows. Yep, that's it so Gu- far. Guelph and Field Trip. How how what was the experience? It was great. It was better than I think any of us could have hoped. Um, the Guelph show was amazing. I think it would have been really uh, too intense for us to just start everything again with the Field Trip festival show it was just huge and 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 amazing but but intimidating to just walk out on a festival stage for the first time playing in four years so the guelph show uh kazoo and uh, like brad uh from kazoo and yourself and um and some other friends helped organize it in guelph and and uh, james gordon let us use the uh, uh ndp headquarters the temporary headquarters at a great warehouse in downtown guelph and it was perfect like i can't imagine it being better um the bands that played were amazing as well lester gray and uh shadowy men from a shadowy planet no we're just called from, from a shadowy, shadowy planet. planet yeah Sorry. which was as named by don pile of yeah. shadowy men on a shadowy planet because everyone says their name wrong it's a shadowy mm-hmm. men from a shadowy planet. anyway you know this yeah yeah which yeah. was great. That was fun, yeah. And uh, start something. Yeah, another one of my favorite uh, Guelph bands. So it was. It just felt like a great Guelph uh, love-in. And I know the guys, uh, everybody in the cons, had a really amazing time at that show. And then we went afterwards to 106 Huron Street, where Mike Dean from Start Something lives, and and we had a little after-party hangout at the house that we all used to live in together which was unbelievably amazing so yeah heavy nostalgic times all in one go there mm-hmm. uh, after right after the show or pretty much right after the show sort of in the in the green room or whatever dallas really said i said that was really awesome and he said i think that was the best thing i've ever done <laughs> referring to that particular set yeah it was the, uh, there's so much you know People don't know that you have a sense of humor because I think everyone in the band is quite reserved. Mm. But he just sort of said, and Dallas in particular is a pretty quiet mm-hmm. and somewhat stern guy. And he just, it's like the emotion kind of overwhelmed him. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, and it's true. Like, I think we're, I mean, the, the music is not, the music isn't um, very wacky, you know, <laughs> at any point. It's like, uh, even in like a David Berman kind of like, mm. there's not a lot of like, uh, one-liners or like funny you know laughable moments in the music so i think that you know people get that idea about us as well and where it is that we're just very shy i think five yeah. pretty shy people and uh but i think some of the funniest shy people that i've ever met so <laughs> and dallas odd. especially is one of the funniest people i've ever met i think it's an odd assortment of people i mean most bands are you have yeah. to be slightly you have to be kind of freakish Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to embrace the lifestyle mm-hmm. yeah now uh the other guys uh when we, we so we met at uh at uh, paul's boutique where you guys were getting ready for these for those shows and i know you've got a bunch more shows coming up and i want to talk to you about it but i asked everyone kind of unusually i asked them kind of a set of segmented questions because to me like you know the news i suppose is that the band is reuniting i kind of didn't want to ask about that necessarily so one of the things i asked about was for recollections of the band's most absurd moment, like something about in the band's history that sticks out to you as 
surreal, strange, absurd. Do you have something that uh, comes to mind? Um, one of my favorite uh, absurd moments uh, for our band was during a really, really long tour in Europe. Well, we had done this long, uh, like a four-week tour in the States with the Hold Steady and then kind of breezed past Toronto, like played a show and didn't like you know have a day off and then kept going and and then flew to europe from boston or something and then uh it was five weeks in europe with two nights off or something like that and we were just kind of i felt like we were kind of losing i was losing myself a little bit or losing all perspective on what the band was you know what the songs were it was just sort of you know just strange uh, a weird state of mind but uh, um we were in uh scandinavia and in uh Sweden, I guess, and we um, we played this funny. It was a small town that that was like this new town, like it had been built uh, as this eco village, like uh, a by, sustainable by IKEA. Yeah, <laughs> IKEA sponsored it probably. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Sorry to our Swedish listeners for. But you, <laughs> it's just weird that you were in Sweden and they built a brand new town. You go to IKEA, it's like a little. Anyway, people will get the joke. I don't explain it. Sorry. <laughs> it was anyway. It was a very strange. Like it was in the middle of. A, we kind of drove through a forest for a long time and then arrived in this town. And I think when we were at this restaurant, which housed the venue as well in the basement, uh, having dinner, someone explained to us that there was a basis. They based part of the town's uh, ecosystem, I guess, for lack of a better term, on Guelph, Ontario. Um, sort of on beginning with like the waste innovation center and the the way of organizing the garbage that we have here and stuff. Apparently, they wow. was, they they said Guelph, Ontario, was was part of the basis for this the way that they conceived this town. Wow, which is really <laughs> absurd and, and strange. Uh, and then. Uh, the, it got weirder as we we kind of stayed in this uh, one room with bunk beds uh, above the restaurant. Um, that was where we were staying that night, and and they had like a VHS uh, and a TV set up, and it just felt like a sleepover, you know. <laughs> sure. We were all maybe twenty seven at the time or something, uh, so we're all sitting there watching uh, probably like Total Recall or something <laughs> terrible sure. on a VHS player. Uh, in this strange town and when we went down to play the show it turned out it was like a teen social night like uh uh where you know they people who were there clearly had no idea who we were uh we were just a rock band in big quotation (laughs) quotation marks uh that were happened to be playing that social night right right for for teens so there was just no interaction like the there was a big long room and there was just a giant space between us on the stage and the teens at the back who were very awkward and and not certain how to receive what we were doing at all uh so we played the set and and uh there's one uh one document of that night which is this photo of us standing on the stage which is this really elaborately decorated thing it looks like um uh, maybe something like Alexandra McKenzie, like uh, Petra Glint would design, uh-huh. like these massively bright colors and incredible, like visual, like uh, wild visual st- stimulation. Uh, the whole room was like that with like flashing Christmas lights and everything. So we're standing in the middle of that. The front of the stage is all covered in gray fun fur, I think. And we're all just so burnt out, like unshaven, like, you know, 
late 20s rock band guys standing yeah. in this stage and I'm wearing a shirt that just has a, in hand uh, writing on it dreams come true <laughs> and that was <laughs> the document of that event which it, it's sort of perfect for that I wish I could uh, I have to find that photo I wow. think Dallas has it so you played that's weird you went to Sweden and played to a bunch of garbage teens. garbage sorting teens like they know <laughs> how to do what they're doing because they're and the Guelph that's very strange alright yeah. that's a good story now the other question I asked everyone was uh, a time in in your in the band's existence where you felt the most at risk, the most in a dangerous or threatening situation. Does something come come to mind? Uh, it's funny because when you when you asked, I thought about like instantly. I thought like fear. I was, but it was it was kind of related to to something else, which was that we played this show later, like after Kensington Heights came out. We played a show. Uh, I guess arts and crafts had kind of worked out this deal with like a, a promotion deal with TELUS for the launch of like a, a smartphone or something like that. And mm-hmm. they had like set it up so that like when you got the smartphone, all of the music that was all automatically on it was like arts and crafts bands. But then they had this event where it was like it was a TELUS corporate event essentially and they asked a bunch of the arts and crafts bands to play and we agreed to play it was kind of a moment of like sure and just not thinking enough about something and sure. just agreeing to do it and i'm sure the money was good and we just we just agreed to do it very quickly uh and you know f- from the moment that we arrived at the show i regretted the decision it was a terrible terrible situation to play music in you know uh it just wasn't in a particularly interested audience it was a corporate event and describe the setting were you in a build like an office yeah, building or no, something it was in a, ve- a venue like mm. uh in toronto i can't remember like a, a place that we hadn't really played before like a big cavernous room and um but it just felt like we were playing an office party or mm. something you know and and it wasn't a cons the kind of environment that the cons should really would would really thrive in um but for me i think it was like instant regret like just at we're okay well, this is going to be a really kind of rough night uh and then throughout that night it was just this process of like oh have like you know we're really f- f- a lot of fear that we had turned a corner in terms of our like priorities as a band you know and and like things had changed i because I, I i know early on especially we were really um careful about the decisions that we made and i felt like um i think it was inspired like you know we got compared to fugazi a lot and we all grew up really loving fugazi and i think the thing that even more than musically for us like at the beginning it was we we tried to make decisions as carefully as as a band like that does you know and how yeah. we had learned from them and and same with royal city as well i always felt like royal city uh and aaron riches in particular was very responsible with deciding how the band would be presented and yep. what where they were going to take themselves but anyway so i just had this like like very uh soul-searching kind of night of of you know dreading that we had made this this decision and that it, it was indicative of like a um a turning of a corner uh, or a new a new page in the, the history of the band, and I mean it was what it was. I think it was towards the end, and I think our yeah. priorities all were different at the time. Uh, so in some ways it was indicative of that, but uh, in other ways it was just a, a kind of a dumb show. Yeah. And uh, 
it, that probably shouldn't have happened, but but there was a lot going on at the time. So anyway, that when you mentioned fear, that no, was the first thing that came to mind, and it was kind of an interesting moment in that respect for the band. That's yeah, super interesting. Everyone else, I think, chose sort of moments of physical peril or... Hmm. Uh, but that's that's a really interesting example. I mean, I feel like in this react in, in sort of reactivating the band, you in particular have been very um, careful to not let any external forces color the impression of the band. Like you started that blog, you did everything yourself. You've just sort of gradually. It's it's does that does this does do those decisions stem from the way the band kind of ended? Or are those those decisions at the end of the band? I yeah, I mean, I just think we can like afford. We kind of have the luxury of being uh, especially careful with what we take on now, and I think it was such a big thing for us all to decide that we wanted to play together again and um, and to work at making it, you know, uh, as good as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, that it needed. The, the context needed to be good it did, like if we were to come and come back and start playing shows again and play like something like that show that I mentioned it would just uh, it would be the antithesis of what it needs to be for me anyway right. and I think for everybody you know yeah. um, and it's but as I said like we have the luxury of doing that because we all have other things on the go day jobs and other you know sources of income and and we also have like you know people are willing to pay us decent money to play a show so we can you know just go and do three shows you know over the course of a weekend and then go back to our yeah lives rather than needing to sustain like rely on uh the day-to-day kind of small show income to to sustain ourselves you know? yeah yeah you gave a really wonderful interview to the believer relatively recently in promotion of your your solo record free will and and one of the things that stuck out for me was uh, the interviewer asked you about these con shows and said something like, um, "Are you just are you just playing the old songs? Are you going to be writing new songs?" And I, what stuck out, I believe, the quote was, "Not yet. Mm-hmm. We haven't. <laughs> are you writing new songs? Not yet. Mm-hmm. Not yet." There's something about this process that initially, I think, we are so inundated with bands coming back together that we've become desensitized to the idea that they would be active again mm-hmm. beyond some do and some don't. So the fact that you've left it kind of open-ended, I mean, this I presume you did the interview before the shows even. Um, I can't recall the timing. It was before, it was actually the day of the Guelph show that I did oh. the interview, yeah. Okay. So, so you were already mentally in this process of going through the songs and thinking about the band. So where are you at with that now? That not yet to me is a very... It stuck out almost in bold to me. Sure. So has anything changed or altered? Uh? Well, um, it's funny because like, uh, the few kind of times that I've talked about the cons reunion or us playing again in in press, that's come up. And it's a tricky question to answer because I, I really... I love the band and we're having an amazing time reconnecting. And I, would, I love... Uh, the idea of writing music with that with those guys again you know and and in for that um entity or whatever and and i think i hope i kind of hope to do that I, there's also a huge 
fear or like a anxiety around what would happen if we made a record and and just sort of the the way that things usually happen when you try and release a record and and get people to help you release a record is like new pressures yeah. to tour more and to do a whole a uh, whole lot of uh, almost full-time work you know kind of goes into that and i'm not sure how, like if i could commit to that at this point yeah. so it's i i just i'm hopeful that that there will be some writing i kind of like part of me just wants to write a new song for the shows you know and just to have a new song yeah. in the set you know um which might happen but um yeah there's a weird i have mixed feelings about it just because of the like i, I like where it's sitting right now and we've just sort of started again mm-hmm. you know uh who knows how we'll feel in six months but it really has been a joy you know yeah so far so you've got sappy fest coming up uh this weekend and then you've got um peterborough folk fest peterborough folk fest arboretum folk festival yeah. and those were it for a while and now you've added a bunch of shows yeah do you know um, do you know them off the top of your head uh, i can try and go through them um i'm not sure if i have the dates but there's uh we'll show with the arcade fire oh, at yes, uh, right. molson amphitheater which is um the 29th yeah, i think of august, of august. Yep. and that was amazing they're you know we played with them early on and and they've been the, you know i i think that they're amazing at at what the at being a band i really have uh, always thought they're they're very good at what they do and, yeah. and it was inspiring to see them at the beginning and uh i love the chances that they take as a band and and how amazing they are with their money i mean i think they <laughs> give a lot of it away to oh, very yeah. uh, good things um and I don't think that they publicize that, which is which is also to their credit, you know. Uh, anyway, they're they're amazing. It was amazing that they asked. Uh, they had performed uh, Young Lions in Toronto, uh, which was totally unexpected, and I wasn't at the show. But my phone exploded with. I text texted messages. you. Yes. I remember. I texted you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a so bunch of people texted you. I guess. Exciting. Yeah, yeah. it was amazing. Um, and so for them to ask us to to play as well is really flattering. Um, and then the next thing after that, I think, is Portland and Seattle. Wow. Or Seattle and then Portland. It's the last weekend of September. And then, uh, which is nice because we're kind of reconnecting with the Sub Pop folks. Right. Um, they help, you know, reissue the, reissue Shine a Light. And uh, it's just been great. Um, they were always really, really good to us. Um, and so Seattle and Portland and then... Um, after that it's right after that it's montreal i think on the first of october toronto on the second and third i think something like that uh anyway around that weekend uh toronto at the danforth music hall which i've never even been to but i'm excited about yeah i understand they've actually renovated it quite a bit i went i saw arcade fire there uh, one of the first times i think i ever saw a show there but apparently they took all the it was like a theater seating thing and i think they took all the seats out. yeah they can remove it and put it back in as as they want i guess which was big like that was the question when we decided to do yeah. that venue. Like we didn't want to do a seated show, really. Yeah. So, but yeah, apparently they could take them out. Um, and uh, after that, it's the middle of the middle weekend of October is uh, Vancouver at the Commodore, Calgary. I can't recall the venue and Edmonton uh, as part of uh, a festival. I. I'm blanking on the name of. I think it's called like Uptown Downtown or something like that. Okay. But it, uh, 
that's sorry to put you on, I just so people cool. I put you on the spot here but I mean the the long and the short of it is you've got these shows across Canada mm-hmm. all of a sudden and we're trying to figure out you know we're just I mean I've been touring a lot this summer on my own stuff and you know everywhere I've gone it's you know people ask if the cons are going to come so mm-hmm. especially in like Saskatchewan and and uh in Winnipeg and Manitoba like I we I think we will certainly try to to do those shows it's just a matter of when we can we can do it because everyone's got so much going on um and i think i don't yeah i think we're gonna figure out some east coast dates uh for later in the fall as well when we last spoke i this had just started uh, and you were also promoting this you know you just made your own record and i remember asking you like dude are you gonna be able to keep your head on straight like (laughs) having to deal with these two things and and has it been okay? Yeah, it's been yeah. good. I mean, it really, it's been two shows. For the right. con- there was a lot of rehearsing, and it was... Uh, but there's also people asking you all about the cons sure. all the time. Uh, which is fine. It's totally, you know, I, I'm happy that people uh, care about it. So it's... It, I was There was a bit of concern, like just brief kind of concern that that the cons thing would get all of the attention mm-hmm. and like I would have just released this record um but it it's not like that and it's they're you know they're just all it's working it's sort it, of all connected working somehow. it out yeah. so what's up next for you as yourself uh I'm going out to Sappy as well uh, I'm going to play at the Vogue Theater uh on the Saturday of Sappy and then um going out uh playing at the Biltmore in Vancouver on the 14th of August uh, on our way. Uh, Rich Burnett and I are going to do a duo show. Um, like he, he's the lap steel player I play yep. with and yep. is amazing. And, and we've been doing a lot of band shows. So he's, we're going to do a duo uh, performance at the Biltmore and then go up to Dawson city for the Klondike Riverside arts festival uh, nice. and play at the palace grand there which is, I, I will go to Dawson City anytime. <laughs> uh, it's one of my favorite places in the world. Yeah, um, it's an unbelievable place. Uh, and after that, it really slows down, I think. I'm going to uh, play uh, Super Crawl in Hamilton and um, uh, Sandbanks Festival. I think it's just called the Sandbanks Festival. Yeah, in Toronto. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's like a beaches type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or but, like a beach thing? I don't know. Well, I thought it's in. it was at actually at Sandbanks Park. Oh, maybe you're right. Sorry, Park, I thought it had a beach thing. Uh, it could be on a beach, but I, uh, yeah, I think it's in Sandbanks Provincial Park. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's great. So you're busy, man. You've just been yeah, busy. it's been great. It's <laughs> been really. The, I'm so happy with the the band, the providers. Like everybody is amazing, and it it's feels incredible. really good. Uh, we just saw the footage, uh, the film from Massey Hall. Uh, from that show and it's it's beautiful nice. I'm so happy with it so we'll I think that'll be released in the next couple weeks maybe I'm not trying to discount uh, the work that you and Rich have been doing but I really would urge people to check out the providers it's uh, it's really astonishing I mean the songs have a new life new and life. lift it's really great yeah alright well we're going to end this now and uh, I was hoping uh, like your bandmates you could pick a con song for us to go out on uh, I, it's a long one but I, I totally have to request uh, time can be overcome. Okay, why? It's just my favorite Constantine song. I think. Really? And it says a lot about time <laughs> and, <laughs> and the passing of time, and uh, you know that's at the front of my mind, kind of when I'm all that we've been going through and putting back together. Yeah. Okay. Well, here it is. This is from uh, Kensington Heights, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I wish you guys the best of luck. And thanks for being on the show. And uh, you know, we'll see you guys down the road. 
Right on. Thanks, Vish. Yeah, no sweat.
can understand her. Thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 